Many thanks for joining us for this episode of the Heart Podcast. My name is Dr. James Rudd. I'm the digital media editor at Heart, and I'm delighted to be joined by a repeat guest on the podcast, Dr. Devaka Pereira, who's joining us today from St. Thomas's Hospital in London. Devaka, many thanks for your time joining us again. James, thanks again for the for the invite. Uh, the reason I've asked you to to come back is because you've just published uh, a really comprehensive article uh, which is entitled Percutaneous Mechanical Circulatory Support, Current Concepts and Future Directions. And the three authors are yourself as the senior author, and then you're joined by Natalia Bricheno and uh, Navin Kapoor from the US. This is a fantastic piece for, particularly for me as an imaging cardiologist who doesn't use any of these uh, devices. I wonder if you could give us a, a brief overview of the different class of devices, perhaps for those who aren't quite as familiar uh, with the field. I, I myself have used balloon pumps uh, back in the day, but perhaps you could tell us a little bit, Devaka, about the intra-aortic balloon pump and the, the physiology behind how that works. Certainly. So the, the balloon pump, uh, which is an old device, has a very simple physiological concept behind it, that a balloon being inflated in the descending aorta will increase in diastole, will increase the aortocoronary pressure gradient in diastole and thereby improve coronary perfusion. It, but then by deflating at the end of diastole, just before the onset of systole, it would also reduce afterload. And so theoretically, it's the ideal anti-ischemic device, improving uh, supply and decreasing demand. And just, just, jumping in, just jumping in there, so these devices are really aimed for originally, I guess, designed for patients with cardiogenic shock, but then have now expanded to be used in patients undergoing high-risk uh, PCI. Is that correct? That's right. I mean, the balloon pump was initially developed to treat cardiogenic shock, but the rationale in using it in high-risk PCI and other settings where the patient's not yet in shock is that if you can intervene early, you can prevent the onset of full shock. I see. Okay. And um, to summarize a huge amount of data in one sentence, the trials for balloon pumps have been, we might say, neutral in terms of their efficacy, but they're still very widely uh, loved and used uh, in many centers around the world. But that, I guess, has prompted the development of different devices. And you were going to talk about the second category that uh, we might encounter. Yes. So the second category of device is one that uh, provides continuous flow and removes blood from the left ventricle and ejects it to the aorta. And uh, by being non-pulsatile, you have sort of very different physiology. There are two main iterations in use. One is the impeller, which most people know about, and the other is something called the percutaneous heart pump, which is only just entering the clinical arena. Um, it's inserted via the femoral artery and introduced retrogradely across the aortic valve. Uh, it's on the end of, of a pigtail, which is very familiar to the kind of catheter we use. Uh, and this microaxial flow pump removes blood from the ventricular cavity. And that powerful direct left ventricular unloading uh, makes it a great device to, to, to decrease demand. And these are the impeller devices. Is that something that can be left inside you for minutes or hours or days? Uh, it can be used just to cover a high-risk procedure like a high-risk uh, angioplasty procedure, but also can be left in situ in patients who are in shock 
for up to a week. Um, we have had patients who've, who've uh, had the device in for a week. What's really important in those patients is that good anticoagulation is maintained because formation of thrombus and uh, complications like stroke are, are, are obviously ones to avoid. Okay. And you mentioned the, the PHP? So the PHP works on the same principle, uh, but it's a self-expanding device, which means that it has bigger impeller blades and can provide a greater uh, amount of flow. So up to four and a half liters a minute compared to, say, three and a half with the uh, impeller, but at no additional vascular cost. The, the, the sheet size used to insert a PHP pump is the same. But you know, this is a relatively new device, and we still need to gain experience about how easy it is to use it, what the complications are. It promises to, to deliver a lot. I see. And uh, finally, or the, the final category of device, actually, you've got two here. I apologize. You've got the Tandem Heart and also ECMO. Can you talk a little bit about those? Because I, I guess they're less familiar uh, to our listeners. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned them both because they can be grouped together in that they, there's an extracorporeal pump. It's a pump that sits outside and provides flow. The difference between the two is that the tandem heart drains blood from the left atrium, so you need a transseptal puncture, uh, and then returns it um, to the aorta, and that's purely circulatory support. Whereas VA ECMO is uh, a system where blood's taken from the, the right atrium oxygenated and then returned to the aorta. So it provides uh, respiratory and um, support, if you like, circulatory uh, support as well as uh, respiratory support. And when might you use uh, both of those devices? As we go from, from balloon pump through impeller through to tandem heart or VA ECMO, the, the size of vascular access you need increases. It, it, we, we sort of move to progressively more invasive devices, which are more powerful, but also carry more, more complications, more vascular complications, and require more expertise. So they tend to be limited to, to centers that have expertise in providing circulatory support, uh, transplant or non-transplant. I see. Okay, so these are devices that are used... Uh, I guess even even in a, a major center like yours, not uh, not so frequently, particularly the the last category. Would that be fair, or is ECMO now becoming something that is used on a on a weekly basis? It's being used more uh, more and more as we we gain experience and broaden our uh, indications. We don't use tandem heart in our center. Uh, we've opted to go with VA ECMO alone. But you know, VA ECMO in used in the right scenario can provide. Uh, terrific support. One thing to remember with VA ECMO for, as a cardiologist is that by returning blood to the, the aorta, you also increase afterload. So it provides good cardiac support and good organ support, but could theoretically decrease the chances of innate cardiac recovery by increasing afterload. So if you've started off with an ischemic syndrome that that progressed to shock. By doing that, you might actually provide good organ support, but worsen the ischemic problem. So often, alongside VA ECMO, we also use uh, an offloading device like a balloon pump. Historically, 
um, it used to be dealt with with um, a surgical septostomy to, to actually relieve the pressure in the, the left ventricle. But these days, a combination of, of devices, either a bloom pump or an impeller with VA ECMO, tends to give you the best of all worlds. Good organ support, uh, good oxygenation, and minimizing the, the adverse impact on the heart. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, in terms of the guidelines and what we're told by by the ACC, AHA, ESC, you say in your in your review that these are very mixed messages. Uh, the trials that have attempted to really find the place of these devices in clinical practice have often been underpowered for obvious reasons that patients are extremely sick and hard to recruit. What do you think the guidelines? Are we due a, a review of the guidelines, an update of the guidelines? Where do we sit with the new, uh, should we call it a mega, a mega conglomeration of societies that's attempting to uh, uh, bring some sense to the field and what we should be using when? This is this is a really important and difficult issue, James. In that guideline committees look for the highest level of evidence, which is randomised controlled trials. Now we do have three good randomized controlled trials for, for balloon pump therapy. And as you said earlier, all of them have been neutral. And I think in respect, with respect to balloon pumps, the current state of the guidelines is fair. However, what the guidelines don't capture, and in fact, what the trials don't capture, uh, are a subgroup of patients who still do benefit from balloon pumps. So I think it would be a mistake to get rid of balloon pumps from our, from our cath labs. And I personally... Uh, use this on a weekly, if not monthly basis. But it's about finding a right patient whose physiological needs are well met by, by a balloon pump. And really, the guideline committees don't have that evidence with which to write more robust guidelines. So they are necessarily willing. Yeah. Uh, and when it comes to cardiogenic shock, the situation is much the same. We've got the IABP shock 2 trial, but there aren't any large-scale trials which can lead them to provide strong guidelines. And so combining uh, forces in terms of all the societies working together to provide a consensus statement is, is a good idea. But it is just that, it's a consensus statement. Until good quality evidence comes about, it will be the opinion of uh, you know the great and the good. But yeah. it can still provide us with valuable guidance on how to manage these high-risk patients. That's fascinating, uh, Divakar, and uh, I want to thank you once again for, for joining me. Uh, I want to recommend all readers go and uh, download this uh, fascinating paper. It really gives a huge overview of uh, the physiology uh, behind the devices, the pathologies that can be treated with them, and also it goes into some detail about the uh, multitude of ongoing, terminated early, and completed clinical trials in this area, which uh, really puts things into perspective. So once again, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Divaka and listeners, for this episode of the Heart Podcast, and tune in again next time. Music